0: Welcome to Veterans in Academics. This podcast highlights people and topics where the veteran experience and academia overlap. Join your host, Dr. Luke McCleese, in this groundbreaking content. Each week, we explore new stories, topics for you. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Veterans in Academics. I'm your host, Dr. Luke McLeese. And today we have a very special guest coming from Texas, Dr. Sierra Sullivan. Dr. Sullivan, tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, hi, how are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Great. Can you tell our guests a little bit about yourself before we get started?
1: Yes. So my name is uh, Dr. Sierra Sullivan. I recently just completed my PhD over at Texas State University in Adult and Professional. Thank you. I'm really excited. I'm very happy to be done. Uh, and I uh, focused much of my research on uh, veterans in higher education and really the faculty and veteran relationship. Uh, and before that, I completed my master's at UT Austin, and that's really where I got into this research. I'm uh, military connected, and I've watched a, a number of my family members sort of well transition back into higher education institutions. And I've been around the military my whole life, and that is where I felt my uh, my calling. So uh, I continued this this line of work.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And, you know, very interested. I'm I'm extremely interested in this as someone who is a veteran, former faculty and staff that serves veterans. And, and you know, I helped uh, really form the field of veteran studies in its early mm-hmm. days. I'm extremely interested in what you're doing. And I think a lot of the answers probably that you're going to talk to us about today have needed to be uncovered for a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited. So Sierra, can you tell us a little bit about what you see in high higher education as far as veterans and higher ed? What, what's something that veterans are doing well in higher education currently?
1: Well, I think there's a couple things. I think first and foremost, foremost, veterans are reconceptualizing and really re and pushing the perspective of what college students look like. There is a high number of veterans coming back and it is sort of reframing how we need to essentially teach what our classes look like. And because of that, it's not only pushing sort of the Mm, traditional banking theory, right, of how we're teaching and how we're interacting with our students, but it's laying groundwork for other non-traditional or post-traditional students as well. Mothers coming back, people wanting to career transition. So I think veterans are at the forefront of that. They're doing that really well. They're not only pushing that perspective and forcing higher education institutions to sort of remodel what a college classroom looks like, but they're showing up and they're showing up in big numbers. And they're graduating. These graduation rates are really high. You know, it's being attributed to certainly characteristics that are being picked up from the military grit and resiliency. And I think that. You know the, that combination is really something to start paying attention to, and it's something that this community of students is just doing great, and they're excelling in.
0: That's awesome. I, I love that answer because you know that's that's something that I think is gets overlooked in popular culture. Is I think the last time I checked, it was like over sixty percent of veterans uh, actually outperform their peers in mm-hmm. an undergraduate program. You know, and I think that number alone is so telling. So important to hear. Uh, and I love the fact that you mentioned the banking model because, really, with the banking model of education, it is very problematic when we're coming to, uh, and with that, man, that could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm very yeah. interested in, in that. But these students are coming to, Higher education already mm-hmm. with a huge set of experiences and lived experiences that their peers just don't have, and that really, really demands pedagog- pedagogical change in the way yeah. higher, you know, faculty interact. So, man, I love, I love your answer. Now, oh, thank you. As as positive as it is, let me ask you something. What is something that uh, veterans could do to improve themselves in higher education?
1: I think that you know, based on my research, I've, I've spoken with quite a few veterans in my day. Um, and I made sure actually for my dissertation, I made sure that it was built around veteran voices. I think there's an inherent distrust between veteran and faculty. And I think, I don't want to say that general. I think students in within itself are very individualized, but I don't think there's necessarily trust between faculty and veterans sometimes. And I think that could be really focused on, I think veterans and Rightly so, there are very negative experiences sometimes between these two communities of people. But I think, I think that veterans could, you know, can trust a little bit better, more so in faculty. And I think that's mirrored, you know, the, it's sort of in this fog of like ambiguity. You know, people don't really understand how higher education works. And because of that, there's a distrust in how the process looks, right? You're going to six different offices in a day, things like that. But and my myself, you know, I had a hard time. trusting some of my faculty too, because you think you, you think you sort of know what you're doing. And at the end of the day, you you don't sometimes. And so, you know, I think just trusting the process a little bit more, I think anybody could do, but veterans especially could really, that could really help them in their retention strategies, you know, and persistence towards a degree.
0: Right. Right. Right, right, right. And that, you know, that's something I see every day as well. And it's so interesting, because it's almost like this two way misunderstanding. Sometimes faculty, I find not not everyone, but you know, Mm -hmm. it does pop up, they have assumptions about the students. And then the students, uh, the student veterans have assumption about the faculty. And then it's like, okay, where where are we going to meet in the middle?
1: Yeah, it's definitely kind of a I see it as like a cyclical issue as well. Because you know, the veteran community is so tight on college campuses. So so when one negative experience happens, right. kind of the faculty kind of get flagged of like, oh, maybe they're not as veteran friendly as some other people think they are. And those, you know, assumptions happen. And I think we could work on both sides with that, certainly. And that's, you know, hopefully where some of my, my research and work comes into.
0: Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That's great. So Sierra, so I I'm definitely want to get into this and, and talk mm-hmm. about your research. But first, let's start with how you got interested. Can you, mm-hmm. Said earlier that you were military connected and that mm-hmm. you had family members and had been around the military yeah. your whole life. Uh, can you talk us through like your path in education and how this interest got spurred and and these type of things?
1: Yeah. So uh, education has really been a big part of my life in general. But you know, it's always been an expectation, I guess. And pretty much everyone in my family and extended family has served or has been part of a, you know, even working as a civilian in the, in that realm. Uh, so for instance, my mom, she actually has worked for a very long time in suicide prevention education for veterans and first responders. And uh, my brother's in the army. Uh, my dad has worked and helped with like, you know, over at the Pentagon and my uncle, you know, so I'm a big, actually big army family. We are very tight And close-knit, I watched myself, my family members transition back uh, and, and try to go into higher education institutions. And, you know, I worked actually in the realm of suicide prevention education for veterans and first responders for a while, and it just... It takes a certain type of person to do that. I am one that brings my work home with me uh, and I get very passionate very quickly about things. And that's just kind of who I am as a person. And I realized that wasn't a sustainable track for me. You know, it's, it's really hard. That's a very hard area of work. And I was, well, you know, I still want to do something. This is kind of my home in a way I myself didn't serve, but like, what can I do as an outside, almost as an outsider, if you will, because at the end of the day, it, it, you know, I'm not a veteran. And I started working actually a little bit over at UT Austin uh, with Jeremiah Gunderson a little bit. And uh, that's kind of where I got my first taste of student veterans and h- like purely student veterans in higher education. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is an area of work. And then I saw my, um, <laughs> you know, because you don't know what, you, you know, you don't, you don't know what you don't know kind of right. thing. And, right. um, you know, I was watching my cousin come back and he was transitioning into his bachelor's degree and he was just having to- tough time. I was like, there's got to be a better way. You know, why isn't this, what is happening right now? And then, you know, my brother told us, you know, he's going into the army. And so it just sort of all kind of came together at that point. And I realized um, this is what I wanted to do. This is a sustainable job that I can do something I'm really passionate about. And it not only, if I do my work well, it not only affects my family, but it can positively impact and create a ripple effect for the for the veteran community and the military connected community. And, you know, mixing that with sort of my background in higher education administration, student affairs, I was really focused on this asset-based work. And I was realizing a lot of this work is grounded in deficit perspective, I think. And some of these interactions are grounded in deficit perspectives. And that's kind of how this all, how this all started.
0: Very, very interesting. And very interesting that you mentioned specifically deficit perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I've thought about a lot and couldn't agree more. Can you explain to the audience uh, some about a deficit perspective when it comes yeah. to populations? and?
1: Yeah. So research, the research I've worked within in terms of veterans specifically, uh, veterans in higher education, let me rewind, research points. Okay. To people that are outside the veteran world, seeing veterans as quote unquote wounded warriors, right? They, they have this hero complex. They want to come in and save the veteran in higher education. And they're seeing them as someone that's not academically ready. They have this huge gap right? Sometimes political perspective impacts their perspective of the student veteran themselves. Mental health, you know, things like that come into play and it's misinformed or it's taken from a very general statement or something you see on TV, things like that. And it's sort of tunneled into one general perspective, negative, if you will. And it's, that's how you see student veterans inherently. And it's not oftentimes questioned. It's not examined. The problem is, is it's it's becoming a blanket perspective sometimes over a very diverse community of students that don't all have the same experience in the military. I think from my work, you know, faculty that do come in from it with a diverse perspective sometimes don't even know they have it. There's not a space really to question that perspective or provide information to combat the per- that perspective and, and provide a counter narrative that shows the assets that veterans are in higher education institutions.
0: I, lo- I love that. And I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head often. And this has been my experience, too. You talk to faculty, you talk to administration and some of the way that things get phrased to you uh, does highlight deficit perspective for sure. However, when you point that out to faculty or to administrations, they're like, "What? What? No. No. It can't, you know, it's that's not that's not what we're saying here." It's like, "Okay." <laughs> that contradicts everything we just talked about.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, no one wants to say they have a deficit perspective of veterans. Right. I don't think like
0: right.
1: just socially, I don't think, you know, I try to be as real as possible. Socially, you you don't want to say you have a deficit perspective of veterans, but if you don't know what a def- deficit perspective is, then you don't know if you have it or not. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that, you know, we could do a better job at offering more of a list of an assets, assets, and maybe reframing who a veteran is on the college campus. I think that is sort of a very necessary step for a veteran friendly institution.
0: Absolutely, and you know, I think I think the word veteran friendly is even very problematic and yeah, kind of gross in some ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, I agree. You know, for, for more of a, a veteran embracing,
1: embracing. Em- I think you're right. That's a much better
0: word. And, lean, and forward leaning, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if we talk about any population uh, of anybody, and even the majority population, there's going to be positive, there's going to be negative. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it, it's like, why have we clung to, and I'm, you know, not saying you and I, we, but <laughs> higher education, we, why have people kind of clung to that negative connotation when there are so many positives and research is showing positives you know you see the success of of people in the public sphere we just never you know we don't talk about the nobel peace prize winners that are veterans Mm -hmm. don't talk about all the nasa uh, maybe a little bit but it's like very secondary or tertiary you know Mm -hmm. Uh, all the explorers in space who have been veterans or Mm -hmm. people who do things every day in their community wow this is This is great, Sierra. So you have been involved via your family... And mm-hmm. you have this evolution in school where you start working with veterans and you become interested. Can you talk to us a little bit about when you get to your doctoral program? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I'm sure there's listeners who are curious. Did you know when you applied to this program and you're like, okay, I'm eventually going to have to write this dissertation. <laughs> did you know at that moment? Did you, or did you have an idea of what you wanted to study? Or is this something that kind of developed as you thought about it in your program.
1: Oh, I came in knowing what I wanted yeah. to
0: do. I had, that feeling. I, I had the feeling. <laughs> that.
1: My letter of intent was very focused on this. Did I know the exact topic? no i think that evolved over time and to be quite honest with you you know props to my dissertation chair for getting me to see the bigger picture um i think i was very narrow scoped in that and i didn't see i didn't see the the long run of how this work could could affect and and serve as like a change agent and not saying my work i'm saying you know overall veteran research you know i I certainly don't want to give myself that credit um But I came in very interested in this, the relationship between veterans and faculty. That was really what I was super interested in, because I think that creates such a lasting impression. I mean, my relationships with my faculty, you know, I give them the credit for getting me, you know, sure, some of it was me, but that support I got was evident. And at the end of the day, I got that support because I knew how to find it. And I knew how important it was. And that's because, you know, I, I've been in school my whole life, you know, everything. So it's kind of these unwritten rules, right? I've talked a little bit about it in, um, on LinkedIn, a little bit of, you know, you, your impression with faculty is super important, especially at the PhD level. And that's, it's an unwritten rule. You know, I, there is, you know, research focusing on veterans and faculty relationships and interactions. You know, it's starting to become more and more relevant, I think, especially as more and more veterans are coming in. And so I was really interested in in that relationship. And because of my PhD being in adult and professional education, I had to sort of change it a little bit because of the adult learning component.
0: Gotcha.
1: And so... Uh, I actually did about four pilot studies for this dissertation, it was a lot of trial and error to make sure that the topic and the actual um, project itself was, you know, going to work. And it started off really, really big. And then I slowly started to develop it a little bit more. Um, And as I was, you know, focusing on that relationship, I just realized, you know, conversations started coming up. Okay, so you know, how many veterans have you worked with? I don't know. I'm, I'm just assuming, you know, that was kind of their answer to a lot of these things are, you know, based on two interactions I had with veterans, I feel prepared to work with other student veterans. And, you know, it's, it was sort of this really aha moment of, well, what are you doing to be prepared <laughs> to work with a, right. such a large population? Um, and especially, you know, in states, you know, we have Hazelwood down in Texas, and you know, that's bringing in a ton of veterans and, and military-connected students and things like that. Our populations are quite large at these institutions. Um, you know, California has a big population of student veterans. You know, you know, there's, I mean, they're all over the place. And I started asking, you know, just sort of in conversation, well, what are you doing to be prepared? You know, what are we offering you? Um, And a lot of times the answer was like, I haven't had any training for this. And that's where that idea came in with adult and professional education. Now, this is the component here. This this professional development training that needs to be looked at more closely.
0: Absolutely. And you know, so I've I've had a couple conversations with a colleague of mine, and not only is this the case in higher education, but it's the higher, it's, it's the case in like every organization, right? Mm-hmm. And like we talked about earlier, uh, with universities kind of branding themselves as veteran friendly and. Mm-hmm exactly that mean? And what are they doing? Same thing with businesses find all over the scope, people are like, we love to hire veterans. We're veteran friendly. And it's like, well, really, what what are you doing beyond giving an entry level position. I think this is all very, very interesting. So let me ask you, so as you start investigating this, and you start asking these questions, can you talk us through a couple of the the trends that emerged? You know, what what were some of the big points that you just saw were like, oh, well, this is really consistent.
1: So a couple things. I think, um, I'll start with the positives first. I think some of these trainings, offered a really diverse look at what veteran, who veterans are. And they really brought like, women veterans, veterans of color, first generation veterans, you know, and I think that offers a really uh, sorry, my foot fell asleep. Let me try again. I think that offers a um really important aspect of the veteran community. And It's certainly from my conversations with faculty, I think that broadened their perspective just with that representation. And I think that that's a really key component here is veterans aren't just, they don't don't just look like, you can't just go into a classroom and say, that's a veteran and that's a veteran, you know.
0: And
1: sometimes veterans don't self-identify and that's completely fine.
0: Right, Uh, very often.
1: But you need to have the conscious, you know, competency to understand that there might be veterans in this classroom and they don't know. And, the, and, and if, if they don't self-identify, that's completely fine. But there needs to be some job competency there to be able to offer a, an embracing classroom environment for this community of students. I think the other component that was really positive was that a lot of these train or some of these trainings offered veteran voices themselves. And they brought in veterans to come in and talk about their experiences that you can't have it any better. You know, (laughs) it's coming straight from someone that's, you know, having these experiences firsthand. That's really critical. You know, you're centering the veteran voice in these trainings. You're not just having someone come in that isn't necessarily military connected or veteran, you know, a veteran themselves and creating something that they they don't have a ton of experience creating. You're you're bringing in someone that that can really add some truth behind it, you know. You're building credibility with these trainings. Right. Um something that might that could be done a little better. Okay.
0: okay. <laughs> (laughs) with
1: these trainings, I think, and it's not all of them. It was, it was two of them that, that I worked with uh, for my dissertation is this idea of shock, shock value statements. And um, that came up a few times and shock value statements in training. It's, you know, it's a technique that's used and if it's used right, it can have fantastic outcomes and it's thought provoking and it's, it's deliberate but when delivering it in a, in a way that isn't, you know, the intentionality behind it isn't that it, it falls flat and it creates really negative reactions. And I, and in my personal opinion, I think it, it continues that negative and deficit perspective, especially when you don't come back and talk about it a little bit more, you're leaving some people that I've had no experience with the military and hasn't have no background with the military with just these kind of you know shocking, shocking statements with nothing to f- circle back to or, or to expand, especially with faculty training. You know, that's a whole nother ball game here. You know, it's really important to not just drop those statements in and leave them there because that could it, it had, it actually had the opposite effect uh, that I found in my dissertation.
0: I could, I, you know, I can absolutely see that. And it's interesting. So it's like, like you mentioned in regards to the shock value, it's like in the right context, it's a powerful thing, but it sounds like what you uncovered were, were some different trainings, just taking it totally out of context or giving it that negative connotation making whatever negative statement or scenario it was that you observed and then just furthering <laughs> what I would assume the training was trying to undo, you know?
1: Yeah. It, was, it became very kind of productive. I mean, at one point, you know, I was taking one of these trainings because I think it's really important for me. Not like, I mean, I,
0: okay, I took
1: these trainings multiple times as wow. part of the data collection process. And at one point, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, I was, I myself was like, holy smokes, you know, what are you doing right now? You know, you you having to write this down, you know, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully those lessons can be learned for future trainings that are being made.
0: Right, right. So let's talk about that because it sounds like, you know, you, you had multiple perspectives. You you took these trainings yourself. So you sounds like you did a qualitative dissertation. Am I correct?
1: Yes, I did a um two article qualitative dissertation. So, it was actually two mini dissertations all wrapped into one. I didn't take the easy route.
0: Okay. Uh, so
1: The first article really focused on best practices and characteristics of military um, connected uh, competency trainings. And I really took a critical lens to each of them and, you know, to build in the adult learning, you know, I applied adult learning theory into that. So I really focused on the content, the structure and the delivery of them. And then the other article, I focused on actually what the faculty's experiences were taking a military culture cultural competency training, and I uncovered actually some of the impact that these trainings had on them.
0: Mm-hmm. So from these two different articles and, and you know combining them, assume sounds like one, part one led into part two. What do you see or what came of the, the findings that, that you found would be good suggestions for making these improvements?:
1: I think first and foremost, uh, I'm going to go back on it again, you, know, showcasing the diverse community that veterans are in, and really bringing in their voice. I think that is such a critical piece to this, even having a veteran come in and facilitate or facilitate part of this training or be on a panels and things like that. I think it not only humanizes the training, but if faculty are seeing their own students come in and talk about these experiences, I think it's really, that's a really critical component. The other aspect, I think that was even surprising to me is. There's a lot of faculty out there that are very excited to take these trainings. They want to learn more. They just don't know where to go and find it. And I think it's imperative that higher education institutions offer these trainings. You know, is it my dream that, you know, every faculty needs to take these trainings? Of course it is. Is that realistic? I I don't have enough information to ever tell you that, but even offering it and and letting faculty know that this is a opportunity for them and having them understand why it's important for them to take this training, I think could really impact the veteran experience inside the classroom.
0: Absolutely. You know, and I'm glad, I'm glad. I agree with you hundred percent, something like exactly what you're researching uh, is something I and again, like like you mentioned earlier. I, you know, I have biased here, but I think this is something that every university should do. And I've thought about it long and hard. I've been like, could could we talk to a president and get it tied to tenure somehow, mm-hmm. or you know, all all these different things? But you're right. When when something is offered more times than not, in my experience, I find that faculty and staff both are curious. And willing to Im- improve their their skills and, and put this into their repertoire, you know, and have a better understanding about it. So exactly like you mentioned, getting it out there and at least offering it to the people. And, and then maybe it's one of those things where in time, you know, uh, it start with a low number and then increase and increase until the vast majority uh, of faculty just kind of pressure others to uh, take it. And we have almost entirety that that would be, that'd be amazing.
1: (laughs) It would. And, you know, I mean that it's going to take a lot of work, but we have sort of the awesome aspect. And what I found out about this veteran community as a whole, the military connected community as a whole and the higher education, like veteran and student veteran community is we have some very brilliant and hardworking people in this community and they're very passionate. They're super intelligent. They, work day in and day out for causes like this and veterans inherently are so tightly knit and so supportive. I think, you know, it's not something that's completely out of question to be able to do. It's just, you know, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of buy-in because that's the other part about this is faculty need to understand why it's important because if they don't, that's one of the number one rules of adult learning theory is an adult learner has to understand why they are here. And if it's just, you know, I can't tell you how many trainings I took that were mandatory. And I was just like, what is this? You know, I have no interest in doing this. You know, I think I had to take like a cybersecurity training for something. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but some people are really passionate about this. And if I would have understood why this was so important, you know, I probably would have been a little bit more interested in it. And, you know, so I can't, that's a really key component is we can't just go in thinking everyone has this passion and drive that we have. It's, you need to help create the tools to really empower people and get them excited about this topic.
0: Absolutely. And you know, this is something that I'm so glad to hear that, that you've written about and that you're studying and that you're interested in and going to continue to work on, um, because there is such a need for it. And it sounds like you've already made such great headway. So thank you for, for everything that you're doing.
1: I appreciate your time and like, you know, letting me come in and talk about this.
0: Absolutely. The pleasure has been mine, but everyone listening out there right now, uh, we are going to include links to everything that Sierra has uh, going currently and in the future, which I need to ask about that. Is there anything on the horizons for you, uh, Sierra? Uh
1: well, I'm I'm working really hard right now to, uh, you know, I'm applying for a couple jobs. I've actually been creating military-connected competency trainings for corporations and really working on their veteran sustainability, some veteran sustainability programs for them. Um, you had touched on this earlier. You know, this isn't just a faculty problem. Um, this is a corporate issue. This is, you know, this is an applicable. In every environment, veterans are found. You know, higher education is, is no exception to that rule, neither are corporate corporations. And so I've been working a little bit on creating some trainings, um, really some veteran embracing trainings, and uh, actually, you know, creating some military employment resource groups for um, some companies, uh, some trainings for veterans while they're transitioning, you know, how to lead a civilian workforce, you know, how to manage civilian disagreements in the workplace, you know, those are very, very different. What do, you know, how do you negotiate a, a, a contract, you know, things like that. Clearly I'm all over the place right now. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to be able to streamline that and find opportunities where I can, you know, place some of these trainings and, uh, support services. And
0: no, that's absolutely beautiful, Sarah, because it, you know, you've it's all the pieces to the puzzle, mm-hmm. you know, and it sounds like you're doing a great job putting those together. So we're we're going to definitely put links to the articles that you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, and then anything that you've got going on in you know the future, like these things you just mentioned, we will add that, and we will also keep people up to date. Anything that you want to share with us, we'll be happy to, to do that on our site and uh, link this podcast back every time that we do it.
1: Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Sierra Sullivan, thank you so much for being with us today and talking about your research and all the great stuff that you've been doing.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you giving me some time and, and, you know, finding interest in this work. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Everybody, you've been listening to Veterans and Academics. I'm your host, Dr. Luke McLeese, and I was joined today with our special guest, Dr. Sierra Sullivan. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to have all the links uh, provided with this download. So be sure to download this podcast. We thank all of you for listening. Veterans in Academics is an all-veteran production of Freedom and Prosperity Think Tank. Content creation is brought to you by Dr. Luke McCleese and Dr. Michael Bevers. Web development is by Osvaldo Vargas.